Support for this podcast comes from Vital Storm. Vital Storm is a growing team of creative thinkers who are passionate about driving leads through local search. Our model for acquiring, tracking, and reporting leads is tailored toward the home service industry. Whether it's PPC, SEO, or social media, we convert internet traffic into qualified leads via a unique process of creating design and campaign management that produces results relevant to your industry, market, and company. For more information, go to vitalstorm.com. A quick note before we begin today's show, we at SGI are hosting a huge event online completely free for you SGI members. On Tuesday, August 4th at 9.30 a.m. Eastern, we're bringing you Vern Harnish, author of Scaling Up and several other titles, and Clint Bruce, all to you for 60 minutes of great management insight. I've had the uh, benefit of talking to many big contractors over the years uh, in North America, and, and almost all of them always mention Vern Harnish titles as the books that they're reading. Um, also, Clint Bruce, the Naval Academy and NFL football player turned SEAL, turned successful business owner, always brings great insights, and he'll be speaking about intentionalism, knowing why we do what we do. Such a huge topic for all of those listening here that are business owners and leaders. So I hope you register for, again, a completely free event. Go to your SGI hub. It'll just take a couple minutes, and uh, we'll be set, and we'll see you then. We train the technicians. Two things are major, and this is how the profits there. Efficiency mm-hmm. and doing the job correctly with no callbacks. So just gonna ask, you got that kind of margin. You get you you must not be getting called be getting many callbacks, if any. Hardly any. Mm-hmm. Is it just taking your time, tell, telling them don't rush or treat each call like it's your your last? You know, or do you have like a, a, a almost a technical checklist that you, or you, is it just come down to the training, I guess, right? And showing guys how to do it the right way? It comes down to the training and showing the guys the numbers. Oh. The DMR, I bring it out, we, yeah. we go over. And I show them what happens when we get a callback and what it really costs. Right. And I don't say, oh, it's going to cost, you know, it's going to cost me money. No, it's going to cost all of us money. Welcome to the Successful Contractor Podcast, powered by Success Group International, a show for residential contractors about residential contractors. We chronicle business journeys, share insights, and celebrate successes in this wonderful industry. I'm your host, Bob Houchin. Today, you're going to hear a conversation I had with Martin Carpenter of I Need a Plumber and Air Conditioning in Port St. Lucie, Florida. Martin would want me to point out he owns and operates the business with his lovely wife, Maritza. These two have a remarkable story. As you'll hear, Martin has weathered some incredible personal storms from a divorce to closing one business and opening another and surviving a heart attack and having to relearn how to run his company as a result of it. But what you will learn from Martin and Maritza is they're both resilient passionate, hardworking business owners who strive to do what's absolutely best for their customers and their people. What I also love about their story is I Need a Plumber and Air Conditioning isn't a huge business. It's a small team, but it's a highly efficient team. And we're featuring Martin and the company because of their remarkable 25% net profit. Yes, net profit. So in addition to a great personal story you're about to hear, Martin dropped a lot of great nuggets throughout our talk, so be sure to have a pen handy or your iPhone notes app open. So to get that profitable, it takes big-time intentionality, and and Martin brought a lot of great info. So I hope you enjoyed the conversation. I know I did. All right, Martin, thank you so much for your time. I know you've got lots going on uh, being where you are in the summer. I'm sure uh, there's always something going on with work. Uh, For everyone uh, that's listening today, could you please uh, share with them your name, your company name, and where you're located? Yeah, sure, Bob. Uh, My name is Martin Carpenter. I'm located in South Florida, Port Port St. Lucie, to be exact. We're on the east coast of southern Florida. Mm -hmm. Um, We're in the business of HVAC and plumbing. Mm -hmm. Our company is probably about just about six years old now from starting a startup. Right. And it's uh, share with them the company name. I'm not. I need the plumber and air conditioner. I like that. That's great. That's great. Very good. Um, all right. So, and uh, just for some background purposes, so people understand uh, the size of your business, share with them uh, kind of uh, the employee makeup. How many people are in the field? How many people are in the office? 
Okay, I have three technicians in the field, three trucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just added our, our latest truck uh, in January. Um, I have two, uh, one technician that's fully cross-trained for plumbing and air conditioning, and one technician that's lear- is a plumber and learning air conditioning. Okay. And the other is just a straight-up plumber. Uh, my wife, Maritza, is in the office. Mm-hmm. Uh, she wears lots of hats. She runs the whole office financially. Uh, everything that happens in the office is pretty much all her from permits and licensing i can't say enough about maritza that's great that's great and and just so people understand again because i understand how many employees you have uh, what what's revenue look like the last couple of years how's how's growth been uh well let me explain when we started we started the business from scratch with zero um you know zero customers uh-huh. and uh, no no employees wow. and we hired our first employee maybe six eight months out and we started clawing our way into the marketplace mm-hmm. uh, at, a, at a pretty slow pace but anyway we've gotten up to around four hundred and sixty thousand dollars in revenue within i believe it's about three years mm-hmm. with one 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 technician in the field that was me right. and helper mm-hmm. Um, that's about the time where I, I had a heart attack, actually. We just hired another technician. Oh, my goodness. And I had a heart attack. Wow. And you're talking about, I didn't even know what a heart attack was. Right. So uh, it was a major heart attack, almost died, and I was in the hospital for about five to seven days, and I had to rethink of what I was going to do at that point. Yeah. Because I couldn't really work in the field anymore, so I had to reconfigure the whole business. Wow, yeah, for sure. And that was a big turning point for us, and we had I had to turn the business down. Mm-hmm. I let an employee go. I kept one of my one of my technicians, and we got completely out of air conditioning for that period of time, mostly, mm-hmm. and just focused on plumbing. Mm-hmm. What year was the heart attack exactly? When? Yeah, what year? 2018, July. 2018. Wow. Okay. Interesting. All right. Um, <clears throat> so. Um, We'll get into that a little bit there because there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, but sure. let's get back more into your, your, your the, the story of how. Let's lead up to that point, um, and and that's something I always enjoy is learning people's histories of how you got into to what you're doing. Um, how did you originally get into the plumbing and HVAC trade? Okay, um, <laughs> I come from a family where my grandfather was a plumber. Okay, uh, Uncle Bill was a builder. Uh, my father, believe it or not, had nothing to do with plumbing. He was actually an uh, uh, aviation mechanic. Oh, okay. And, uh, so he, he did Yeah. A very mechanically inclined. Mm-hmm. And um, as I was uh, in my younger years, middle school, worked for a good friend of mine's father who was a builder. Mm-hmm. So in the summers, we worked our butts off for him. Sure. And uh, I enjoyed it. And I enjoyed being in the trades. And I enjoyed seeing the wealth that it provided. He and his family... So that that was my inspiration to get into the trades. Mm-hmm. Um, as I progressed, uh, my real business uh, inspiration was probably my father-in-law back then. He actually was an executive for Raytheon, executive executive sales okay. is what he did. So he was a suit, you know, wearing a suit during the day, and a lot of times he come home wasn't enough for him. Yeah. So he had other business on the side where wow. he went out. Believe it or not, he did appliance installation. Interesting. Okay. And um, I would go and help him. You know, I was like, oh, you want to – I worked, you know, I was 60 hours a week back then. Yeah. But that, that gave me the base of where I really wanted to, to run my own business. And I believe it or not, that is where I started my business. I had the appliance installation business I had been running on the side. Really? And I was at the same time getting my license uh, for plumbing. And when I was ready to, I had a base foundation laid for the business already. So, wow, that's interesting. Now, what? Um, now, this did this happen in Florida? Are you? Are you? You I thought you mentioned no. me in a previous conversation. You you came from somewhere else previously. So, where was that? New Jersey. In New Jersey. Okay. All right. So, um, so here you are. You know, you started off kind of in appliances, and then you decided to uh, leverage that that base of customers to get into. The plumbing. What year was that approximately when you went into business for yourself? Oh boy, uh, <laughs> going way back. So I started like the appliance business on the side while I was still a plumber. Okay. You know, serve, I think I was still serving my apprenticeship. Okay. So that's going to be the mid nineties, early early to mid nineties, okay. I think. Yeah. Okay. So and I started a side business and I ran that side by side with my full time job. Wow. 
uh, it was great because it provided a, a lot of extra money for me. And, you know, when it comes time to get married and buy a house, I had money. So, and even start the business. So, 100%. How did, uh, how did the plumbing business uh, grow? When did you officially start that part of it? Ninety-nine. Ninety-nine. Okay. Yep. Very and that's pretty much when I started on my own. Okay. And I had myself, and I had my brother actually uh, came into the plumbing field as well. Okay. He was working for another company mm-hmm. doing new construction, and he ended up going into service because I persuaded him to. <laughs> sure. Okay. All right. And what I'm leading, what I'm leading up to is how I became involved with SGI. Yes, yeah, that's where I was I was hopefully leading you to. So please, yeah, let me know. How did how did that happen? How did you run into us? Or how did we run so, into you? My brother is a new construction plumber uh-huh. for about a year. And he come, came to my house and I got a letter from uh, one of my competitors, Doug Warringer up there in New Jersey. And look, you know, they're going to pay me X number of dollars because I'm licensed to come to work for them. He takes the letter. He goes over there. You know, with my urging yeah. to apply for a job, but yeah. he says to me, I don't, have any, I don't have any experience doing service. Right. And at the time, we had Nextel Radio. He says, don't worry, Dan. You just press the button, and I'll help you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. And I'll tell you what, four times a day for about six months, maybe eight months, uh, Dan would be pressing the button, and I'd be talking him through stuff. Yeah. No pictures, nothing, just speaking. Very mechanically inclined. Yes. And at that same time, they sent him for SGI training, and he came back, and he turned into their top guy. Wow. I mean, he beat out the family members, everybody. That's great. Okay. Okay. And uh, that's when he told me about SGI. He introduced me to SGI at that point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I decided, you know what, Let me. I don't really know a lot about how to run the business. Let me go and learn. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I went to the profit day, and sure enough, uh, they're... There they, they set up the, you know, people don't believe what is the possibility, especially if you come from a smaller business in your small town. They don't believe the possibility. Right. And put the scoreboard up there, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, oh, that's my brother up there. Yeah. So my brother's on the scoreboard. Yeah. yeah. That's sensational. People around me are like, that's your brother? I said, yeah. I said, that's my brother. He works for that company, and that's his numbers. That's awesome. So back then, he was 40, 43,000 in plumbing repair. So. Uh-huh. uh-huh. That was pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. Well, I was going to say, just so pe- for, for posterity, so people know, what around what year was this then that you joined uh, the first time? I'm going to say, I'm thinking 2003, wow. maybe. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. That was a ways back. Okay. So um so you go to Profit Day and then um let's see, you you know, you now we have executive perspective people go to right after joining and but back then it was Expo, you go to Expo, right? So uh, yeah. you go or Summit. I'm sorry, PSI was Summit. Let me get my my old school language right because uh, I was around back then. But uh, so you go to your first summit and they put you through. We put you through the ringer, kind of, and hitting you with all this information. Uh, you, what did you think leaving that first event? What what kind of stuff did you know you needed to to work on in your business right away? Okay, the first event, the most important thing that I learned there, mm-hmm. um, and all, they. But, that they inundate you with material. Right? So I don't know if you know anything about those days. You know, I had a, I had to buy an extra big duffel bag just to bring all the material. Yes, home. that's right. That's right. Yes. The gigantic binders. I remember them well. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm gonna throw another snippet in there. At that meeting, I met my brother's boss. Oh. He, in this time period, he moved to Florida. Okay. And his criteria for moving to Florida and getting a job, guess how he based his criteria. I have no idea. He's going to work for an SGI company. Is that right? That's right. So he goes to work for a friend of mine now. It's been since that that time meeting him, a friend of mine here local in Port St. Lucie. Mm -hmm. And again, the first thing out of his mouth, that first thing is, we got to get your brother a bigger truck. (laughs) (laughs) He was the top guy. So it makes me proud because I trained him mechanically and how to do the actual work. and, And he's brought me into the SGI family and um, it's I'm really proud of that I, I, I'll talk about that a lot but anyway the most important thing I learned I take it from every single job mm-hmm. that is done mm-hmm. I look at the job as soon as it comes in 
And back then, it was pen and paper. Yeah. You know what? Go out, sit in the truck. I'm a technician. My, my ride-along text, and I'm showing them how to figure out how much money we made on the job oh. and whether we priced it correctly. You got it. You got it. You got it. You learned it real early, which explains why I'm talking to you, because because uh, uh, folks listening, um, Martin is incredibly profitable, and we'll dig into that a little bit more. But you learn real early on that hey, you're not just here to, you know, for fun. There's there's money to be made, and, and let's figure out the right way. So okay, great. So you learned your margins right away. Um, so I guess obviously, did you have to increase your pricing back then? I mean, to to start getting that. Well. Um Believe it or not, when I joined SGI, uh-huh. my prices, I think back then, my average ticket was about 500 bucks. Wow, that's really good back then. It's really good now for a lot of people. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's great. So you had that down. Okay. How about um, some of the training stuff? So you taught your brother the technical aspects of it. Um, but how about some of the communication things, you know, just how to, to, to you know, speak to a customer, how to, to build trust. Uh, how to talk about options and letting them to kind of gain control of what they want to do with their home, but obviously move forward with work with you. Did you go through uh, back then Success Academy kind of training, or did you kind of figure it out yourself, talking to other members, talking to coaches? I talked to other members, coaches, and the first thing I did was straightforward price guide. Okay, very good. As soon as I got that was the number one thing. I mean, I brought the sample out in the field that day. Yeah, the first okay. Day. Very and good. I picked up their pricing, which is very close to ours, and I love the fact that it was uh, it was such an, an amazing tool, even back then, and it's nothing compared to what it is now. Right, right. So the straightforward price guide really uh, taught me a lot. Number one, it helped build the value. Right. You know, we're through uniforms now. We're putting the uniforms on. We're coming up to the house. Back then, people were like, oh, I thought you were a police officer. So, <laughs> Yeah, but it was very different back then, right? Everyone expected the beat-up uh, clothes and uh, the guy that looks like he's been working all day. Yeah, but you look like uh, you're pristine. It, it catches attention. Sure, that's great. Yep, and you're, you're building the value there, right? Mm-hmm. Of course. You're pulling up in a nice truck that's fully stocked. You've got everything that the, the customer needs. You, I've got the straightforward price guide. I've got this new thing called the Diamond Club back then. Right, okay? yeah. That... I would have the brochure, and people are like, "Oh, you must be a franchise." And I'm a little, little shop. Yeah, I don't know if it's been a very big shop, but little shop, and the people were just impressed. Yes, yeah. And uh, that—that's really all uh, thanks to SGI. Um, I had an open mind going in, though. Right. You know, I was. You got to change. Yes. And that's the, it's not easy. Yes, you are 100 percent right. And the people that do well with it are the people that are open and willing to change and want to work at it. And, uh, if you yeah. do that, the sky is the limit, and there is, you know, whatever you want out of your business, you can achieve it. How about some other little basic things like uh, your phones? Were you uh, were you the guy, uh, you had the next deal, were you answering every call that came into the business, or is this where Maritza comes into the story? No, back then, mm-hmm. I was in the very beginning, short, within that first year, I was the guy answering the calls, and back then, the answering machine, you know, we weren't right. even, no or nothing, right. but within that first year, I set up a small office okay. and a, a, a call center, basically. Okay. And I then I went into hiring people to answer the phones, and um, I didn't have much good luck with that. Okay. Uh, people weren't. I didn't really know how to train them, even with the uh, material we had. I didn't really know what to look for sure. in the person, or how to look at it, look at the person's character, and not how well do they pick up the phone and write numbers down or. It's, it's so much more than that when you hire any employee, but I didn't know that back then, sure. so I struggled with that, mm-hmm. and um, we didn't we didn't have the best luck with the with the phones back then. But but you um, but you had a, you put a service fee in place, even though that because that oh, back yeah. then was was foreign, that completely foreign. You know, people go, oh, you can't, you got to get free estimates all day. No, no, we had a service fee, yeah. um, and. It, back then, you know, maybe if it was a big job, you know, a, a boiler or an HVAC system, we might waive it. Sure. Because, uh, you know, this is a little bit different with that type of an estimate. But, yeah, uh, yeah we've had service fees. Good, good, very good. All right, well, well walk me through then when the, the journey from New Jersey to Florida. I mean, I know uh, being around enough to – there seems to be a magnet in the state of Florida for anyone that's in the Northeast. But, uh, 
What what guided you to to kind of you know close up shop? It sounds like you had your business was starting to grow and you were doing the right things, and then you decided to relocate. What what was the the rationale in that process in that in that thinking? Okay, um, two thousand five, the business was growing. Uh huh. Um, I was ahead of all my vendors. I was paying them bi-weekly mm-hmm. uh, and I took that from when I joined SGI I had around thirty to forty thousand dollars of debt mm, okay and within a year and a half to all that was paid off now I'm paying vendors ahead of time that's awesome and that was great yeah. so at that time my wife decided she you know wants a divorce this is my first wife okay. yeah <laughs> Um, so that, that's what happened there. And my accountant's like, you've got to, uh, you know, the business, you know, she's going to want the business. She's going to want a piece of the business. Yeah. And my accountant says, well, you've got to make it look bad. And I'm like, well, how am I supposed to do that? Yeah. I'll just run up the debt, which I did. I ran some debt up in the business and she never wanted a piece of the business. Mm, okay. But I did write the biggest check I've ever written. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. But, you know, I was able to do it because of SGI. Yeah. <laughs> Understandable. So that was a life-changing event for me, sure. though. Um, I ended up, uh, you know, I was in a pretty bad place. I ended up going for, uh, you know, I went to shrink for a number of years there. And I kind of, what I did with the business is I put it on cruise control. Yeah. And uh, it it actually survived. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it, I was there, but not really. Right. I mean, the guys knew what they had to do. Um, the calls came in. Nothing was really maximized, but the business survived. Right. And I did downsize it eventually. And during that whole process, I decided I really didn't want to live in New Jersey anymore. Um, I met my, my future wife, who is my wife now, Marissa. Uh-huh. But uh, the one thing I will say is the business survived because it had a solid foundation under it. Right, right. And it had a solid foundation because I learned how to take care of customers. Exactly. It goes. I learned how to treat your customer um, like it's the last one you'll ever have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very good. And when I did leave New Jersey, my some of my customers were. You know, I talked to them, some of the better customers, and uh, what they they said things that were made my heart almost break. Mm, yeah. So, uh, but anyway, SGI really helped me out yeah. on the foundation building. I did have the the, the life changing event. Sure. And I basically um, I always worked hard mm-hmm. my entire life. I mean, when I was in high school. I was working a part time job in a restaurant, and by the time I was. 17 years old, I was actually cooking in the restaurant. Right, wow. And a friend of mine was working with me. We were we got in big trouble in school because we were working 55 hours a week while we were going to school. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I still had like a C, C average. Yeah, that's, that's good. You're working that much on the side and trying to squeeze yeah, school in here and there. Um, yeah. All right, so you, you relocate. What year was that? You, re, you relocated to Florida? Uh, we bought our house in 2009 here in Florida, and we, yep, 2009. Okay. We decided we're going to move to Florida, but we still had between Marissa and I, we had multiple properties, real estate that had to be dealt with up north. Okay. And we're kind of vacations here. Okay. Yeah. And um, by two, we had a plan for like a year, turned into a four year. So it took us about 2014 before we actually got here. Okay, all right. And then, and, and at that point, that's when the business started. You said, "All right, I, I need to get back to work. I need, need to do something, or I'm bored, or I need to make money." No, no, I planned. I, I had to, this day. I had to come here and get my licenses. Sure. Okay, that makes sense. So I did that before. I had to come down here and get both the licenses, mm-hmm. and then I was ready to go. And we moved here, and we just, you know. I underestimated how hard it is to start a business, especially from scratch. Um, my, you know, I I don't think I remembered the pain of what it really took to do it. Right, right. Well, you know, and here this is interesting because it's it's re, it's still fresh in your your mind, and, and there's a lot of people that will listen to this that that maybe were completely in construction or com- completely in commercial service and they they want to start residential and they're they're nervous so what are some pieces of advice things that you learned or did at that point to start building a residential service company how did you how did you first get customers let's talk about that you started with zero right and you didn't acquire a a book of business from another plumber or hvac guy so what did you what did you do Did you start going like 
uh, networking events? You start knocking on doors. I've heard all sorts of things over the years. Uh, well, the first thing we did is I had a good friend who was running a competing business, uh, and he's actually a really good friend. And he gave me some advice, and at first I, I probably didn't take it the way I should have, but uh, we started with the Yellow Pages, YP. Sure. And uh, the reason we did that is because Florida, I guess some of the older people still look in the Yellow Pages. Yeah. It turned out to be a disaster. Oh. Um, <laughs> they talked into splitting the budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, between air conditioning and plumbing, and that was a big mistake. I said, we don't have the budget. We need to focus on one. They talk. It was a disaster. Yeah. And marketing from day one of any of the two businesses, marketing, I would get an F. Mm. I mean, I'm, I'm not good at it. Yeah. Either I have terrible luck or I just don't know how to do it or I'm just, I don't know. Yeah. I'm still trying to figure it out today. Sure, sure. So... Um, Starting the business, we ended up uh, at a loss to the point where we had to pull money. We had money. We had money in savings. So we're pulling money out of savings to live. And at the end of October, we started in around June was the first day. And October, we're like, we're going to pull some more money. I said, no, we're not. Yeah. So we're going to either this going to work or it's not. Right. And uh, I went and I decided I'm going to change a little bit. We're going to invest in some different type of advertising. I'm going to advertise some stuff to get a a foothold in this marketplace. I did that mm-hmm. knowing that it wasn't going to, you know, I had to basically put my, my service fee. I reduced it down to terrible, terribly low number just to get calls. Mm-hmm. And it works. It worked. It got us started. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you know, we did postcard mail and it, the marketing got me. Here's my thing. Here's what I want to tell everybody. Uh, you know, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Really. You got to ask questions. Okay. Go no, I, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Don't stop. I'll, I'll, I'll stop okay. you. You go ahead. Do you want me to go into some numbers with the business? Sure, uh, sure. whatever you want to share, you go ahead and share, and I, I can circle back. I'm used to that. Go ahead. That's all right. Okay, so um, from day one, and I've done the math many times, yeah. even to today, uh, our company right now, we have a total customer base of around 1,650 people. Wow, okay. So cheers, do the math. That's 1.2 customers a day. Yeah. So that's always been, that number haunts me. I don't know why. <laughs> 1. 1.2. So I'm able to, to, that's where most of my issues are lying right now because uh, for me to, to move forward, I need to get more calls now. Sure. But that's a big story. But like I said, all those customers, we built them like they were going to be our last customer. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you take your- and because of that, the calls that are coming in today, 90% of it is those customers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's how we're surviving. And did you tie, did you have a club membership program back then? Because I don't know, did you, and, you know. You... From day one, sure. Yeah, I actually, you know what? We we hadn't joined PSI yet. We tried to join PSI back then. Okay. And um, Were you locked out? Was there already someone in the market or something? Or? No. No, as it turns out, there wasn't. Okay. But SGI was being sold at that point. Or oh, direct, got it. Yeah. yeah the, it in the transition into Rebecca's hands, and things it. weren't okay. as organized, I guess. Yes. Understood. So I called, I left a message, and I'm like, oh, I didn't know how they were doing. Right. So I'm, I knew they had new owners. It was direct energy, and I didn't know how they were doing. But about a year after that, they called. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, I went to the first profit day and signed up on the spot. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Was, Let's see. Um, my timelines are kind of a little sketched out in my head. So uh, that when was that? When you well, actually I thought I had that written down. That was 2000. And when did you come back officially? 2016. Uh, 16. 16. Yeah. All right. And then 18 was a heart attack, right? Correct. All right. So from 16 to 18, you got back with us. Uh, you were able to officially use straightforward pricing again. What are, what are, did you just get all, was it like, you know, hitting the, you know, the play on the greatest hits and an album meal up? Were you just starting to incorporate some of the tools uh, once again in, in, uh, in the business at that point? Well, yep. Again, right. The first thing was straightforward pricing. Yeah. And um, I'd been away for a number of years and I, the new guide, um, I, I don't know people. I love the new guide. It's, it's, it's a wonderful tool. So that was the first thing we did. Mm-hmm. And we got back from our first uh, expo, and we implemented that immediately. And another thing that I implemented pretty much right away was the Lifetime Diamond Club. Oh, yeah. 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 I love that. Which was new and as a business owner, scary. And uh, 
but, uh, you know, we've done that. Mm-hmm. And, of course, our coaches, we did some executive perspectives. Yeah. And we did some um, service essentials. I took one of my, my technicians there. Good for you. And, you know, I've also implemented uh, bringing new technicians into the company the way the SGI formula for that. Mm-hmm. You know, you just take a guy and throw him in the truck. We don't do that right. no more. Uh, and I'm also picking guys that are not plumbers. Okay, so you're you're bringing in green people then. Yeah. Okay. How long? Uh, well, we'll get we'll get into that that in a bit because that's that that could that's a whole conversation of itself. All right. So, 2016, you're you're ramping things back up. Um, you, you know, you worked hard to get to this point. Things are starting to look a little optimistic because you, you said earlier you're hiring some people, um, and then you have this another huge life-altering event. You have this heart attack. So, talk about um, you know you had to pull yourself out of the field. Um, you mentioned maybe the air conditioning part had to kind of go away. What kind of walk everyone through what you had to do at that point just to stabilize everything? Okay. Uh, so I had a heart attack, and like I said before, I didn't even know what a heart attack was. Yeah. So what? We well, yeah, did you not feel well? Let's get yeah. Let's let's get into that for a second. Yeah, and, and for the rest of our our SGI family, anybody who's listening, um, if you do have any signs, um, I had some signs. I had some chest discomfort uh, while I was sleeping, and I thought it was muscle related. So I tried going to the gym and doing some exercises. Yeah. And uh, it turned out I was probably in congestive heart failure. Oh, my goodness, yeah. And I'm still working in the field. Yeah. So I'm just in stalls in the hot summer, and uh, I wind up having a heart attack. Wow. And it was a bad one. Yeah. Um, I was in the hospital either five five days maybe. And I when I left the hospital, I couldn't leave. They had a defibrillator on me that I had to wear. Wow. Because so much of my heart was damaged. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the main part of the heart was only pumping about 20%. Holy cow. Okay. So uh, Wednesday night, I was released from the hospital. I was very upset about that. I was very upset because I didn't know what a heart attack was. No one ever had a heart attack in my family, and they make it seem like such a nonchalant thing in the nose. Someone's had a heart attack like it's just like it's a normal thing. Yeah. yeah, not so much so. Yeah. Yeah, so I was upset. Uh, my life had changed. Luckily, when I started the new business, business owners out there, small guys, I started the new business. I invested it in a disability insurance policy. Mm, that's a good nugget. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, I get home Wednesday night, uh, Thursday morning. I'm back in the office. Mm, wow. <laughs> now I couldn't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. But I had to get back in the office. Right. And I got one technician who's got virtually no experience. Right. And now I'm thinking, how, how, how am I going to proceed here? I can't do the air conditioning. This guy can be my hands, and I can train him at the same time, and that's where we took it. Yeah. It was, almost, and, was it kind of like you, you and your brother back in New Jersey? <laughs> You're kind of walking him through things, through the phone almost? Yep, pretty much. Yep. Uh, I had to get in the truck, though. I had to get in the truck, and, you know, there's a lot of things. I had a, a guy that's completely green. Uh, my brother and I were different. Uh, scenario because he was extremely mechanical. Sure, sure. So um, I trained my first guy, Landy. He's still with us, okay. and he came as an HVAC technician, and he's learned plumbing. It's two years later, two and a half, and he's uh, still with us. Wow. But those days are when I decided I've got to change what I'm doing. I can't be in the field. I've got to get in the office and run this company, not work in it. Support for this podcast comes from Mike Albert Fleet Solutions. Mike Albert Fleet Solutions is a full-service fleet management company working alongside you to help you get the trucks, vans, and cars you need to run your business and keep them on the road day after day. We'll help you find the right vehicles, finance them, equip them for the work you're doing, all while helping you plan ahead for future growth. Learn more at MikeAlbert.com. Welcome back to the show. Uh, when we left, Martin was beginning to explain how he responded to having a heart attack and how it forced him to transform I Need the Plumber and Air Conditioning. Also, in the second half of this conversation, we're going to talk about Maritza's huge role in the company. We'll talk about how they hire and train their team. We'll explore how they manage to virtually get no callbacks, and there's so much more. So let's jump back into the conversation. I think you'll enjoy it. 
So that's a big, I mean, that's a big mental hurdle. I mean, I guess, you know, you kind of were forced into it, so you couldn't get, um, you, you couldn't fall back into the habit of getting back in the field, right? You, you had to take care of yourself. So what are, um, so you had one guy that was running calls. What, and then you, you, when did you start adding a second and a third? Um, when were you able to get enough calls to do it? You know, what, what were you, how did you change what your work day looked like? Kind of maybe talk to people about that. Um, right off the bat, um, my SGI coach at the time, uh, he gave me some advice. He's like, you know what? Step back out, slow things down. Mm-hmm. Anything that any overhead that's not 100% necessary, shut it down. Explain to your vendor what's going on. We did that, and we we're able to actually survive. Yeah. At that point, I said, I've got to train this technician to be out there in the field by his own, mm-hmm. on his own mostly. And I've always got the phone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm still very attached to all technicians, always have been by the phone. Right. There's anything in the field they don't understand, call me. Yes. Now I'm, I'm in a new, uh, to step back and, and release the reins was extremely difficult. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it was the best thing for the business that I've ever done. Right. Right. So, and, um, mm-hmm. No, is it just training every day then? I mean, you were just riding along with that tech, right? And and were you going into the homes with him and, and just being quiet and, and watching him? Or were you doing, back then, were you doing the communicating and letting him do the, the work and then giving him, a, when you felt comfortable in his skills, then letting him do the, the communicating and then, uh, you know, letting him take it over and you just observe? Yes. Okay. Uh, I had already taught him you know, our presentation, our credibility statements, going back to the straightforward price guide. Right. I'd already taught him all that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So every time I went out, I'm a ride-along coach, okay? And I've got my checklist. Mm-hmm. And I use the SGI checklist for that. Yeah. And then after the call, I work with him. If he gets gotten to the weeds on the call, I help him out, but I stay quiet for the most part. Good. That's cool. And then, again, while he's doing the physical work, just watching him and, and – and giving them pointers. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And so eventually you got enough calls, right, where you, you could add the, yep. the second guy, and then you do same, the same approach, right? You just copy, copy it over. You start riding along with him and doing the same thing? Yeah. Um, what I'm going to tell you now with, with our technicians I mentioned earlier, hiring the technician is the most important Absolutely. thing you can do, and we hire based on their character. That's great. We hire based on their character. Uh, we do extensive uh, background checks. They take a test, mm-hmm. multiple, multiple tests. Mm-hmm. So before they even get to really interview with us, they've spent two hours on the computer at least just testing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that gives me an idea of, of their their character. It's basically disk profiling. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So, and uh, so they'll, yeah, they'll interview with us three to four times before they're hired. Okay. Is there a certain type of personality you feel that does, that succeeds more than others? Yes. Uh, I'm looking for a people person first. Somebody who can communicate well, speaks well, outgoing, uh, mechanical somewhat has to be there yeah. because they do have one, but it's nowhere near you know what, what people think it should be. Uh, that, that's easy to teach mm-hmm. uh, as far as I'm concerned, the actual mechanical end. I want them to be decent. I want them to be honest. Honesty will come out in those tests. Um, and if you find those people, I take a person that's totally green, and if they're, they fit that criteria, you know, I'll have them running calls, you know, for certain things three months out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're not just running calls. They're running calls the way I train them to do it. Right, right. And you've been working and every single day, every single yeah. day. Yeah. And we train the technicians. Two things are major, and this is how the profit's there. Efficiency Mm -hmm. and doing the job correctly with no callbacks. So just going to ask, you've got that kind of margin. You you, you must not be getting many callbacks, if any. Hardly any. Mm -hmm. And is it just taking your time, telling them don't rush or treat each call like it's your, your last? You know, or do you have like a, a, a almost a technical checklist that you, or you, is it just come down to the training, I guess, right? And showing guys how to do it the right way? It comes down to the training and showing the guys the numbers. Oh. The DMR, I bring it out. We, yeah. we go over. And I show them what happens 
when we get a call back and what it really costs. Right. And I don't say, oh, it's going to cost, you know, my, it's going to cost me money. No, it's going to cost all of us money. Right. I love that. And I, yeah, I teach the guys that about everything in the company. Yeah. Yeah, you make it team-oriented, not just you're doing this to me, you're doing this to us. I love that. Do you have any kind of incentive tied to callbacks or, or to production at all? Are the guys hourly? Are they a new comp? Right now, the guys are all on hourly at this point. Okay. And we are in the process of going into a performance pay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're experimenting with that now. Sure, sure. And that, of course, they know that if they get the callbacks, they understand enough about how the business operates yeah. that they just try not to get them. They're, that's you know, it takes time. Get it done correctly. You built that into the culture. That's that's really eye-opening. So let's – okay, so you, you – on the hiring thing, before we close that and, and move into more of the training, I want to get, talk about the daily communication and the training and such. Uh, you said you're looking for people that are personable, and you have them take these online tests. How, how often or how many interviews will someone go through with you before you feel comfortable enough to hire them? Is, it, is there a set number, or does Maritza get a turn with the, talking to the person, and then you can you kind of speak to what your process is a bit more? Sure, sure. Uh, the first interview will be Maritza. I won't be in the office. I'm never there for the first uh, interview. Right. And that's uh, on the advice of Steve Huff. Okay. Steve yeah. says, Martin, don't you be there for that first interview. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's great. So Maritza will take it, the first interview, mm-hmm. and she gets a good feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, she'll actually take it to the point where she'll perform the background check. And then at that point, send him out an invitation to do his um, online disc profile, okay. which is a preliminary test, okay. a short one. And then we have a feel for it. And at that point, I'll meet with with him. Okay. And I'll spend an hour or two with him and going over the preliminary test and getting a feel for him. Okay. And uh, at that point, if we move forward, we're going to send him out a more in-depth test. Okay. Now, at this point, if he's still with us, I know he wants a job with us. Yes. And um, he, he he's willing to put in the time. Right. So the, the second test, we'll actually meet with him together in the office. And from there, we've gone into how we operate. Mm. You know, what we do, we show him the training programs, you show him the straightforward pricing, and they're impressed mm-hmm. by that. Because, wow, this is so different, especially our newest technician did come from another company, and he was blown away, right. and he couldn't believe how long the interview process was. Right, right. So you're, you're selling them, really. I mean, you, once you start getting yes. a feel if you like the guy, then you, you then you want him, right? And, and, and you want to show the benefits of staying, of coming aboard, rather. That's great. Okay. And where, you know, here's here's the here's the, the million-dollar question that everyone asks in the industry. Where are you finding these individuals? I mean, are you just putting job ads out? Are you just, uh, you know, observing people and you come across them in, in daily life and say, hey, are you looking for an opportunity? Or what, what do you find has worked best for you? Uh, for the most part, they find us. Okay. Um, we don't advertise. Uh, I tried the, you know, the, what are those jobs? Uh, I forget their names. You know, they're not going to give you a forklift full of these applicants that don't. That's exactly what happens. So we stop that. They find us. Okay. Um, we've had technicians come down the street to a. We have a, a supply house about a block away, and they'll send a technician. We had one technician that way. A neighbor of a customer moves in, and he want, is looking to get into the plumbing field. We had a technician we hired that way. Um, our, one of our technicians. Technicians Alex, um, one of my other technicians, was in the field doing plumbing service for this future technician. Mm-hmm. He told me on the phone, he said, uh, number one, I need a handover if you could get one of the guys over because Alex here has to go to school. <laughs> He's going to school for HVAC over here at Ford. Okay, and I said, okay, did you tell him that we're, we're looking for guys? Yes. So at that point, I, I was the one that went to help. Johnny. Okay. <laughs> Very and uh, I talked to the, the homeowner, that's Alex, and I told him, I said, come into our office and interview. Yeah. And he did, and we hired him. That's great. What a good story. And the wonderful part about that is he hired us after using us. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, he paid top dollar for his services, but he was so impressed. And now he's an employee. That's incredible. That's a great story. That's a really good story. There is. Because he got to see what the service was all about. And he goes, I like that company. That's incredible. Okay, so so you find you find these diamonds in the rough, right? You bring them, you bring them in, and, then, you know, you're in the truck with them every day. But, obviously, you've got other people you need to communicate with that are on the team that are running trucks. So. What is your what is your training your communication process look like? Do you do the morning huddles where you talk about what happened the day before and what's coming up? Do you do those types of things? Every day. Every day. Wonderful. What is the what do those look like? What do you what kind of information do you like to convey? Uh, the on just our general huddle. Uh, first thing to do is we we all meet in the back of a shop and I I sit down with the guys and say okay. We talk about what's going on in the field, what's going on. COVID-19 is a big thing. Sure. And I, I remind the guys almost every day. I said, you know, we're still practicing every day, I tell them. And they're very receptive to that. And, um, you know, I talk to them about the day before, mm-hmm. what's happening in the field. Mm-hmm. And you know what? You keep it light a little bit also because the guys need to, to vent. And they do it to each other. They vent back and forth. This is me. I have this customer. They did this. You know, it's, yes. uh, keep it light and enjoyable. Yes. It's not a reprimanding uh, I don't reprimand the guys at all. I'm not that type of boss anymore. Yeah. That is the most important thing. Uh, any mistake a guy makes in the field, that's not the time to handle it in a huddle and, you know, while you're trying to figure out what's going to happen for the day. Exactly. So we keep it light and I keep it positive and I, I might look at the schedule and say, Hey, uh, Landy, you've got a, this fantastic opportunity for AIQ. You know, you can knock it out of the park, you know, build them up, give them some confidence on the way out the door. Yeah. We do training, um, a lot of role play training. Mm-hmm. We, I probably use about ten percent of all the tools SGI has uh, for training. Yeah. But I would tell my fellow members out there that if you hire a technician onboarding the onboarding program with them, it's fantastic. That's great. Yep. And get yourself a TV out in your shop or wherever. Use your computer, your laptop, and bring your technician not alone through the training. You bring your new technician as well as your old technicians back through the train. Oh, I like it. So you put out, yeah, that's a good, that's a good tidbit right there. So everyone kind of is refreshed on, on the importance of uh, the fundamentals of what you guys do. That's right. That's- and it never ends because, you know, if you think about what we do for a living, um, people are like, oh, you're just fixing it. It's not. Our job is very complicated. Being a professional service technician is very complicated. Mm-hmm. There are a million steps that have to be taken, and if you don't take them, you don't have success. Yes. I like you. And it's too much to remember. So we have to keep training. I like you said professional service technician. That's the big part, the service part. You know, the technical part is just a part of the job. But the service part and how to really, there's a whole system to follow. And if you do it right, you'll get people to say yes all day long to, to, to the work. That's great. Um, all right. So you guys do that that kind of training. Um, do, do you have set training days where you get more in-depth? You know, on that kind of stuff, or is it every morning, just like half an hour or an hour? What, what, what do you? What's your week look like in terms? We, of- we huddle every day, and that might be fifteen to twenty-five minutes, okay. maybe a half hour, depending on what ha- what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, we try to do training on Tuesdays and Thursdays, which is our uh, do something with SGI or role play, or we do technical. Um, you know, if something happens in the field, there's a new product, we have to do technical training periodically, so we do that. And uh, we also do OSHA training, okay. so uh, you know safety's a big thing sure. for our, our guys. Yeah, um, Marissa gets involved in the training; she'll come back for certain training, mm-hmm. and uh, especially like she'll get involved in the role playing. Mm-hmm. She'll actually step in as a customer um, oh, with the, some of the technicians, and our our shop is small, mm-hmm. so she's up in the front office. She can hear us training, yeah. and I'll put the guys together. I'll be involved. And she'll actually come back in the in the uh, in the in the shop, uh, and she'll sit down with a technician. Uh, hey, Michael, you've got to slow down. You got to slow this down. Let's go through this. And she'll get involved in the training, yeah. which says a lot for Marissa because she is actually uh, she she wears so many hats in that business, right. and it's just tremendous what she does. Uh, we haven't talked about it. I definitely want to talk about her if you yes, want. Let's do that. Now, what is her background? I mean, you, you pull her oh. into this crazy plumbing stuff and, and HVAC stuff. What, what, what kind of industry did she come from? I'm assuming she worked in something previously. Uh, she her, she has an accounting background. Oh, perfect. Okay. <laughs> that helps. Yes. CFO. That's fantastic. Yep. Yeah, CFO, and she worked in corporate restructuring. Wow. 
and uh, she's done some amazing things. Her career's for she could tell you about that. And uh, one of, one of the highlights that I like to say because I like Rush Limbaugh, but her one of her bosses approached her in the '80s and said he's retiring from NBC Radio and he's taking his retirement and he's going to start his own show. Mm. That was Edward McLaughlin, and he actually scouted and found Rush Limbaugh and brought him to New York City. Oh, wow. And Maritza was the CFO. Holy cow. That's crazy. So Maritza was the, the one that – and she was actually on his radio show oh, uh, really? at the time. She had a radio and a TV show. She was on both. He used her an example as a single mother with two kids. Yeah. Minority and very successful. Yes. Yes. So – that's fantastic. Her financial background has come into our business here, and it's uh, it's tremendous power. If you look at the size of our company, to get the financials, to get all the numbers, the inventory. She's got every – the inventory control is tremendous. She's got everything in inventory. Well, there's your profit right there. I mean, and, and for folks, reason you, we share with everyone what your net profit is, and, and it, that, it's staggering. And that's really, again, what led me to you. Okay, so we'll talk about uh, 2019. Yeah. So our gross profit uh, in 2019 was 77 percent, and we had a 23 percent job costing, basically. So high growth. Uh, our our margin was excellent. Yes. And uh, I'm going to remind everybody, I did that with 1.2 phone calls a day. Yes. Which is uh, crazy. Yeah. Our average ticket in 2019 was 606 dollars. Mm-hmm. And coming into this year, 2020, so far, our gross profit is running at 74%, and our job costs around 26. You see we're losing a little bit of profit there, but we've hired an additional technician. Right. So that is an extra truck on the bill. Yes. And um, uh, I'm going to get into my average take the $749 this, this year so far in plumbing. And the reason that is is because – when you are put under the pressure and the phone's not, you've got to figure out the ways to, to increase your profit. I'm ashamed to say that all the years I've been an SGI member and going back to 2004, I never paid attention to doing the visual diagnostic on our as part of our actual diagnostic fee. Really? Okay. Never did it until this year. Wow. Really? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So Don't ask me why. I had the cards. I was, oh, you know, the, the guys aren't going to do this. And to be honest with you, when I trained them on this, they were pushing back. Oh, people aren't going to want us to do this. And I'll tell you what. They do. I, I sent them out in the field. I developed my own card. They go out in the field. And within the first week, Mike calls, oh, yeah, I got a word here to do. I said, oh, you were there to fix the toilet, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He said, I did the inspection. I said, you did what? He said, the inspection. They go, what was the most important thing you, <laughs> you did? did what? That's great. <laughs> Well, yep. I'll tell you right now, and for anyone listening, I am—I have zero technical background, and I. Well, you know what I—I I, I don't like is my time being wasted because I have issues that break down, and the most frustrating thing of being a homeowner as long as I have been is when something breaks, and I have someone out, and then something else breaks that I wish someone would have told me about it, and that uh, doesn't mean I have to say yes to what you guys propose, but gosh, I really enjoy knowing what's going on, right? And I think that's big—that's a big part of it. Knowledge. Power and uh, just be amazed at what people will say yes to just because they don't want to be inconvenienced. Right? They have the money. They just don't. They want to. They value their time more. Right. That's great. So we raised our average take one hundred and fifty dollars. The impact was immediate, and um, you know, over the years of my career, I left millions of dollars on the table. Right. Yeah. But you're going to get them now, man. You're, you're, you're going to get them now. And it's been so nice to have, again, you've been able to work on the sales and the training and communication while Mar- you've got Maritza who has the numbers locked down. Like, that is so reassuring to know what your percentages are, and she can tell you. I mean, that just that really is freeing in a way. It is. And, you know, it's not just the numbers. It is the, the calls yeah. that come in. She books around 80 to 85% of the calls that come in. That's great. And she does the permitting. She does the license. We. She's at the point where she's about to burn out. So I'm <laughs> trying to help her out more in the office. Right. Right. With those things, and um, we're not. We cannot hire another person at this point because we're sort of over staffed on the on the service side, mm-hmm. and we need to really get our call volume up. And anybody from SGI who can has any advice about 
the marketing aspect. Um, we're we're always working on it, and uh, I'm having a hard time with that. I think if we had if I had the what we need to have about nine calls fielded a day. Yes, uh, we'd be well into the millions of dollars probably. Right, right, definitely, definitely. With the with the average tickets we have and the guys, um, we spend a lot of time training. Yes, and we have a ton, we have a ton of downtime. Mm-hmm. We do have club members, um, and we do send out schedules, but we we have too much downtime. Mm-hmm. And at this point, I need to do something about that. So anybody who can help me out with that, Mark, and I need the plumber.com. There please. you go, man. There you go. Yeah. Hey, but it, it, that's one thing I've always learned in working with entrepreneurs is uh, if you don't have some issues, that means you probably do have issues. There's always something that needs to be worked on, right? Because that's how everyone gets better. Uh, if you don't, you're, it means you're stagnant and nothing's happening. Uh, but I certainly yes. hope we get that, that figured out for you. Um, so how, about, how do you talk to your guys? So if they're on hourly, you're talking to them about the percentages, um, you know, do you guys do scoreboards at all or, or do you not do that? And you just kind of coach them through call by call or how do you keep them uh, honed in on, on taking um, every call seriously? Because that's, you know, human nature, right? You, you, you kind of, it's easy to get complacent. It's easy to let um, what routine go by the wayside because it's just easy. So how do you keep your guys uh, on point every day? We do. We have, we have a scoreboard in the back. Mm-hmm. Um, we're on hourly right now. Yep. So I feel the guys. Uh, you know how hourly is. You know what your paycheck is going to be. They're not as motivated as they could be. Yeah. Uh, one of my guys is really knocking it out of the park. Mm-hmm. I mean, he goes out and he really is. Uh, he he rarely comes back with a zero ticket or a service fee only. Mm-hmm. Um, two of my guys are kind of uh, not quite that good. But we are going to implement performance day. Yeah. And that is going to help the guys motivate them a little bit more because they're going to see their potential to earn more money than they are now. Right. And uh, that shouldn't be very difficult. I'm a little nervous about it because of the fact that, you know, some of the people I know that use it say, you know, some of you guys are going to quit. It makes me, I don't want that. I want the guys to succeed. So it makes me a little bit nervous, but we're working on that now. Yeah. Um, by the way, we're working on that with the help of Donna Huff. Oh, good. And, yes. um, and I can't say enough about Donna and Steve Huff. Um, and that is one of the great things about SGI. Yeah. I met Steve and Donna through SGI. And he's pretty much, he and Donna mentored us yeah. uh, over the years now. And I've been to his operation. And I know all the guys, and Steve, I call him anytime, and he's always there. And that is one of the great things about SGI. Mm-hmm. And now to see Steve, now he's taken that company from, you know, where we are, where we started, and he's turned it into a multi-million dollar company. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he and his wife ran it together, sort of like Mertz and I. We worked together. Yeah. And so today... So to me, it's very inspiring for us. And then they groomed one of their employees, yes. and they sold the company yep. to Nick. Yep. Now he's the owner of a great company. Steve and Donna have taken it all the way to where I want to go. That's great. For you, you're, you are doing some awesome advertising for me because I am going to interview Steve in, the, in about a week or two. <laughs> To talk about their journey, I interview, we interviewed them years ago uh, for when we just had the magazine. But um, once I, I found out they sold and uh, they did very well, I said, "Well, we got to bring." Well, he's just fun to talk to. Steve's just a great, and both of them are great people. So I want them to tell their story to everybody. But uh, that's no, but they are, and there's a lot of people in, in the SGI family that are are just good hearted and want to help. And I think that's the best. I mean, there's a lot of great parts, but that is, is probably the best part is to see the the humanity and wanting people to help other people succeed. So that's that's awesome. Um, are you guys talking about maybe like running uh, what their comp your tax compensation is hourly versus uh, the new comp and kind of just showing them uh, a week at a time? Hey, this is what you made, but this is what you could have made. I know that's what a lot of people have done to kind of get them on board. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, when the guys go out and they do, you know, go out to a $13,000 repipe sale and then, you know, we break it down based on the, the guys putting labor on the job, but they see what they really would have made. And I'm like, this is a big motivator. Right. Uh, and, of course, the downside is if they have a bad couple of calls, you know, it can be can be rough. And I think the, the new comp pay 
we're doing a hybrid. We're doing kind of what Steve and Donna, mm-hmm. and not as the, the curves for the technicians aren't as uh, brutal. Mm-hmm. So with your season changes, you know, your technicians are doing great, and all of a sudden they have no, you know, their paychecks cut in half. Right. We, we take it out over a three-month period. Okay. And spread it out that way. Like so that. it's a little bit more complicated, but I think it's going to be easier on the technicians. Yeah. And they agree with me. You know, I don't make decisions in the company without – they have input. That's great. Anything that's happening, we, we take it to the to the back and we talk. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's got to be – I mean, that's just kind of how people are today. I mean, it's not the uh, – talking to business owners that, that have owned business for years and – well, decades and decades. It's just a different kind of workforce, and, and it, but it's good. People feel connected to the company now, right? Back in the day, you know, like I talked to Jimmy Dale, and we just uh, – put his podcasts out there and he said you know back in the day when i was running text they just like if, if you didn't work 60 hours a week you weren't a real plumber you know and all they wanted to do was work 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 and get paid and now people are a little bit more they would be invested in where they work and so that's a great job by you if you're communicating with them and letting them know what's going on they feel ownership right and so they're less likely to leave if someone promises an extra buck an hour or something like that right that's awesome just in kind of wrapping things up, Martin, you've 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 gone through a lot, um, a lot of great life. Well, not great life, a lot of life experiences. You've learned a lot from, right? Um, what what are what are one or two things that you would pass along to fellow SGI members or non-members who are listening about what to do in business to be successful? You know, because you're a small company, but you're a successful company. So what what are some things that they should be doing to get things turned around if they're struggling? Oh boy! Um, yeah, I I'm, I'm going to say that I think probably most SGI members are smaller companies, yes. and um, I think whether you're big or small, it's not easy to run a business. Right. Uh, stay focused on what you need to do. Get your numbers. Uh, I said the most important thing for my company, and I still do to this day. Almost every single job that comes in, I look at the numbers every. Now with software nowadays, we're on service line. Yeah, I can look at that job and I can see if we made money or not. Yeah, and you know if you're driving a boat and you're headed towards a rock and you don't know you are, you can't change the direction. Yes, good analogy. I take it down. I micromanage the numbers down to that, and that's my job. Mm-hmm. I don't know a lot about the overhead side of the business. Moritza does that. Mm-hmm. But I know if you don't have these numbers in line out on the front end of the business, yes, you'll just forget it. Yes, but you can be very successful as a as a one truck company, mm-hmm. um, and two truck, three truck, as long as your profits there, mm-hmm. and you can make a profit at any size. And I've done it from a one truck, me alone at times, yeah. you made profit, mm-hmm. and you have to look at it that way, and that's and and persevere. Mm-hmm. That you have done quite a bit of, Martin. That you have done quite a bit of. All right. So, just last question is: Where do you, uh, where do you see the business in the next, you know, six months, twelve months, two to three years? Do you have anything uh, set in stone, or is it just executing every day as efficiently and profitably as possible? That's the main thing. Um, our goals are, are pretty moderate. You know, we're not. Our goals are smaller. We're going to exceed our goal this year by around. $120,000 for what we're on point now. Right. And we've had a setback. I think a lot of business, we, we, we had a setback. Mm-hmm. We had the COVID-19, we, one of our technicians has COPD. We didn't have him for two months. Oh, wow. <laughs> so we had a truck down. So, but uh, he's back, but we're on point. You know, we're, we're, we're going to, we're going to make it and we're going to make a good process. Yes. And if- uh, that extra 150,000 that we're going to make, if I don't have the profit in that, you might as well not even make it. Right. Right. Yep. And you're able to survive because you're profitable with all the other jobs. That's great. That's awesome. Well, Martin, any other last things you'd like to share with anybody that, that come to mind? Um, yeah. Use SGI. Use SGI to your full potential. Uh, other members, um, I, I network. I'm doing the uh, the tag meetings uh, net with other guys. Yeah. Um, I, I put it out there today. I'm looking for some advertising mm. input, so I'll probably get hopefully get some input there. Uh, use all the tools or as many as you can, and go through everything. Sit sit on your off hours and just look through all the different material. That's great. I mean, there's a lot of material. Get your numbers right. Know your numbers every single day, and no matter what size you are or what size you want to be, 
um, whether you're a, a $100,000 company or $100 million company. Uh, that's basically what I would say. That's awesome. Well, Martin, I cannot thank you enough. It's just great nuggets throughout this interview. Um, just great insight, great perspective. Really appreciate all your time. I know you've got plenty to do. So thank you so much, sir. Have a great rest of your day, and uh, let us know if there's anything more we can do at SPI for you. Thank you very much, Bob, and have a great day. You too, buddy. That's Martin Carpenter of I Need to Plumber and Air Conditioning at Port St. Lucie, Florida. Thanks for listening to the show. If you feel like you have a great story worth sharing that would also help other contractors, email me at bhouchin at yoursgi.com. Also, if you enjoyed today's episode, please give us a rating. Remember, friends give fives. You've been listening to the Successful Contractor Podcast, powered by Success Group International. Support for this podcast comes from Professional Plumbing Group. How many hours in a day do your plumbers waste because you don't have the right part for the job? This problem leads to additional issues and reduced productivity, poor customer satisfaction, and increases your cost per job. Professional Plumbing Group, or PPG, can help you solve all those issues and more. We have everything you need to help your business grow and become more profitable by allowing you to focus on plumbing, not inventory management. Go to AuthorizedPlumberProgram.com for more information. The Successful Contractor Podcast is a part of the Success Group International family. SGI is the largest member-owned best practices organization for independent residential services contractors. SGI provides its members a competitive edge through proven proprietary management tools and expertise, marketing programs, training, and group buying power, along with a highly active and eager-to-help membership. For more information about Success Group International, visit www yoursgi.com. The Successful Contractor Podcast is a production of the Aquila Investment Group, LLC, All Rights Reserved, 2020.